Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time, friends. This is Tim Allman here with my good buddy, Jake Bessling. Yeah. Good to have you. Great to have you today. I pray that you are geared up to learn with us today. We're talking two-part series starting today. Uh, First one, we're going to talk a lot about change, but to introduce change, we recognize that change leads to conflict. It's, It's inevitable. And in our ministry context right now, we're walking through a lot of change. We just overhauled our constitution and bylaws don't not off to sleep here. We're heading into a campaign um, with great goals to expand God's kingdom, and we're looking to launch a multi-site. And Jake, you're you're gathering a team, getting ready to go there. I mean, there's a lot of change in our world right now. And how do you feel Hmm. about all this change, Jake? I feel good, and I hope others do as well. Um, But yeah, you could have so much change happening at the same time, and it can be at times overwhelming for people, including the leaders that you lead. Um, And there's the biggest thing about change in an organization that's been established is there's a lot of leaders, a lot of people that have been here. It's done one way. Mm. We've we've never done it that other way. Or I kind of thought it would stay this way for a lot longer. Um, and there's other leaders on the other side. Like, let's go. I can't. This is far time. <laughs> we finally are here. Uh, I'm ready to do this. So there's a lot of different emotions that all of us as leaders can have, and um, we want to acknowledge that and then own that and move forward today to talk about change and conflict. Leaders constantly create environments that are conducive for change. At least <laughs> they should. Uh, some leaders may be in a position and they're like, man, I really, really get anxious over change because not everybody's going to, uh, it's a popularity contest. I'm worried about what people are going to think about me. So let's look at mm-hmm. the greatest leader of all time, Jesus, the Christ, the promised Messiah, God in the flesh. Did Jesus, Jake, fear change at all? Recount some ways that we see Jesus as a leader that moved into into change, embracing it. I just think about the biggest change ever. I mean, he's God in the flesh, and he had the biggest change of all, mm. going from heaven yeah. to earth and the discovery process. So I would see that he would see change as a great discovery in that um, his early years, he would just be discovering all this afresh. And it was like he put his divinity on hold for parts of his life, right? And he just discovered and learned with the other Jewish kids. Mm. And so all this change is going on. I mean, he was a teenager. Yeah. He changed, his body changed. Um, and then he continued to grow in wisdom and stature. Isn't that wild? So he enjoyed the change of going through the different seasons of life. And then how did he upset the apple cart, though, once his ministry started? Think of those environments that he just was, he was a disruptive leader. Yeah. I mean, the Jewish people did, they kind of thought they wanted change. They wanted a Messiah to come, but it was their Messiah, their certain way. Mm -hmm. And they had 600 plus laws and they didn't really want that changing. Mm -hmm. They, 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 they had the book. They knew what they thought their book was about, um, the different laws they had. And Jesus comes into the temple at one point. I mean, and he, he disrupts some change. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, selling things in the temple. And um, in John chapter two, he's like, stop this. We're not doing this anymore. And he flips these tables and he's, he's inviting people though, to see a different way to change. So he embraces that. Well, and who, who does he invite? 
to the table. I mean, he is. All people. Yeah, seen as an out, one who welcomes the outcast, the sinner, the marginalized, the prostitute. This is how Jesus did ministry. And not only how Jesus did ministry, but think of another cultural change when Jesus did ministry. A lot of times he's just instigating, like uh, stirring it up because he's healing. He's casting out demons on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. Yeah. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, no, <laughs> it's about you know, the Sabbath wasn't made for man, man for the Sabbath. This is a day for God to work, God to show up. And oh, by the way, here I am. Jesus is the greatest cultural change agent of all time for yeah, Jew, you think Jew about, Gentile, slave free. Yeah. Think about women and children, and mm-hmm. they had no value in that culture, that context. And yet he he has an upside down kingdom to, to elevate the child. Um, children at that time wouldn't even be named at times. Um, and he says, Hey, and even the disciples show that they were rebuking or they're, they're not wanting the children to come. And Jesus rebukes them and says, no, let the children come. What a change there. Women, as we always talk about, are the first to see Jesus at the, the tomb. Um, Mary thinks he's a gardener. It's Jesus, though. And uh, the women's testimony would not even be used in a court of law. Mm-hmm. But Jesus doesn't care. He he reveals himself to the least of these. So what a change, change agent. Yeah, Jesus is amazing. So just do some self-reflection, leader. How comfortable are you with change? And uh, look on a scale of one <laughs> to ten. What is your comfort level with with change and conflict? Um, a recent study was done with pastors. I'm, I'm currently for my doctorate using the Harrison Behavioral Assessment Tool, and it's a fantastic tool to see how do people actually not just a psychometric, a psychoanalytic like Myers Briggs or even the Enneagram. Awesome tools, but. What do you thrive on doing? What do you enjoy doing? And one of the greatest indicators for a healthy leader is how well they can handle stress, mm. manage stress. And so a study was done with LCMS pastors. Over 100 LCMS pastors have taken the Harrison Behavioral Assessment Tool. Reach out to me if you'd like more information about that I mean, that pastors tool. got – they're stressed. I mean, I would, I would, I would hope that pastors can – take on a lot of stress because, I mean, you got the congregation, you got their family life. So I'm thinking on a scale of one to 10. Well, let's go two to 10. Actually, Harrison uses two to 10. Two to ten. Two to ten. Where, where do you think? Uh, 6.5. 3.5. What? 3.5. Yeah. They, they just can't handle it. They're overwhelmed and um, maybe the expectations in their world are more than they feel like they can fulfill. And I hope for you, leader, if, if you're like, I look at my life and it, yeah, I'm more like three to, to four. I'm not normally a change agent. I just want everybody to be happy. I hope you can rest in the grace that's yours in Jesus. He loves you. You're enough. No one else gets to define who you are. You're a child of God, baptized into his name, and therefore pray for courage uh, to chase after the heart and mind of Jesus. So what are the missional implications of conflict and change avoidance? Jake, talk about that just a little bit. What are the implications if we as a leader, no, no matter our environment, church, home, uh, community, workplace, what are the implications if we avoid change? We got six here, and they're really good. Uh, first one's minimal mission involvement, missional involvement. You'll you'll pull the reins back, and you're just going to take care of yourself, take care of our own, kind of put walls up. 
um, and you avoid then any kind of conflict to move the mission of Jesus forward. Strong leaders. And point number two, strong leaders stop bringing their concerns, ideas, creative initiatives to you. And you are the be all end all. Everything has to run through you. And if you're not innovating, especially in team, uh, there's probably going to be little, little movement. So those strong lay leaders in a church may actually leave the church because the environment, the culture is, is not conducive to change. Yeah. Number three, the implication, the conflict avoidance. I mean, those leaders are leaving and the pastor may control the mission with a closed rather than an open fist, just trying to control things. You don't want to get there. You want to be able to be open and uh, empowering. Sometimes in a church, if a pastor is is not conducive, uh, open to change, passive aggressive behavior may ensue. People start working behind his behind his back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Point number five. Uh, number five: the congregation declines as leaders leave. Yeah. Lay people, paid people. I mean, you have really good people, but once this uh, conflict avoidance happens and it disrupts the system and, and we don't go forward with love and peace and joy and, and accept um, how to walk through that with Jesus, um, congregations decline and leaders leave. And the last one is uh, the pastor does all the ministry and he eventually burns out. And that's a major, major bummer. So let's walk through five strategies, Jake, here. Uh, this is just the first of our two-part little series here, Changing Conflict. What are five strategies for becoming a kingdom-expanding change agent? The first one. Let someone into your inner world hmm. who is outside of your vocational world. What's Tell that us. mean? <laughs> Um, we need spiritual advisors that can bear our heart. We can bear our heart to. We need people um, in our to, to hear our inner world that are outside of our vocational world. Yeah. Um, um, I find that many people, <clears throat> excuse me, do not have this person on their team. You know, they don't have that person in their world on their own team. You know, yeah. it's like who's your team? Who's um, with you? Who? Um, can listen to you, who can counsel you, um, who who cares about that. Um, we're both in groups that are uh, with other pastors that don't go to our church. Yep. And so Tim and I can talk to each other, but we have other people that, uh, that are going through the similar things um, that, and also other groups that are going through uh, other just leadership type tactics. And we have a place where we can sometimes vent, um, sometimes be prayed for, uh-huh. um, and sometimes need accountability and kind of a kick in the rear yep. to say, hey, you got to get going. Um, what's going on there? You got to push through that. So another way to frame it is who is your spiritual father or your spiritual mother? For me, I do actually have a father that I really look up to and, and highly respect. Another pastor friend by the name of Gary, who's been on our show, Gary Kenneman's a dear man speaking life into my journey, challenging me accordingly. Jake, you recently have a new coach, too. Talk to us about your coach. Yeah, it was really uh, earth-shaking for me, honestly, and it's moving the multi-site model forward at just the right time. About six months ago, um, his name's Larry Wrights out of Houston. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Uh, don't take him from me. And um, he coaches probably 20 pastors and leaders. And it's just someone to voice your uh, what, you're, what you're going through. And then he is a coach mentor. So I, I look for that, a coach mentor that can ask questions, but also at times as a coach, ask questions and draw stuff out of you. But then you need a mentor hat at times and he'll say, Hey, I'm going to have the mentor hat on now to say, this is really what I think you should do. Or, um, because of the things you're saying, I've been there before. I want to give you this straight up advice. And so that's very helpful. Find that in your world. So sometimes people find it awkward 
what do you talk about, you know, <laughs> as you get together? So I love alliteration. And so these three S's kind of characterize most of my mentoring, coaching relationships, both as I offer it to others and they offer coaching to me. One, talk about your sins. Mm-hmm. Where are you struggling? Where are you hurting? Um, be honest. And, and a mentor, a good mentor will say, as you e- expose certain things, is that all? Is that all? Is there more? There's always more. <laughs> Let's get down to the heart. So share your sins and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Uh, the second one would be share your sufferings. Where is their pain? If you're a pastor or a leader, you, you're taking on other people's stuff. And so how are you able to lay that down as well? And then the third one is uh, share your strategy, share your vision and ideas and let them speak into those visions and ideas. So the first point, let someone into your inner world who is outside of your vocational world. All right. Number two, hold your change vision with an open hand. Tim, what do we mean? By a lot that? of times leaders hold their change vision with a closed fist. It's mine. Uh, no, 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 no. It's God's and then it's the team's. And so have an open handed posture. We talk a lot about a snowball vision effect and we do this kind of naturally. But if you've got an idea, let's just look at an idea of, of going to start a multi-site here. We are talking about that multi-site, not only with our team, but with other cultural opinion leaders here in our congregation and beyond. What do you think? Give us good feedback. Uh, where are the gaps of this vision? Can, do you see that it's necessary? We're asking and inviting all of that uh, sort of input so that once it becomes public, a lot of your main leaders and maybe even a lot of just normal people in the congregation just say, oh, I thought we were already doing that. Mm-hmm. I thought this is already done They've heard about it so many thing. times. So the snowball vision effect that happens when you hold whatever that change opportunity is with an open hand. Talk about the 10-80-10 rule. Jake. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, you have 10% of 100% of the plan. You just basically have the idea and you get to go to your team and say, "Hey, I got I got 10% of this change vision. Uh, would you help me with the 80%?" And maybe at the very end after the collaborative process works and all the gifts of your team are used, you might have 10% to offer at the very end uh, to uh, bring it to completion. So use your team in that way. Hold your change vision with an open hand, not a closed fist. Number Point number three. three, number three is dream with your team. You've heard us talk about this before if you've been hanging out on, on lead time. Joe Barron, I'm one of our vicars, used to <laughs> love this phrase. Shout out to Joe. Dream with your team. He's still rocking it with his team in Santa Clarita. Here are the three different questions that a leader constantly has to ask. Where are we going? That's vision. How are we going to get there? That's strategy. And how well are we loving one another on our way to there? Um, that's culture. So of those three questions, Jake, which one do you think is is the most important to kind of nail? Can I just say all three? Yeah, this is kind of a trick question. All three are definitely needed. I was thinking too, yeah, which one do we uh, maybe in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or which one do you, leader, focus on the most, and which one do you need to focus on more? I would say, as I've seen Tim work as our senior pastor here, uh, looking that, you know, he says often, how my job is to make sure that we're loving each other well. So if you sit in that senior executive uh, level position, you want to... Look for the unity of your organization and see how well people are loving each other. It's worth it. Um, it's really worth it if there's a, a, a something going on within your your team and your organization to really focus on it. If they're not loving each other, you want to nip that in the butt. You want to uh, focus on that. You want to um, make sure that people are loving each other. Bring them together. Yeah. Um, make sure that that doesn't get out um, because 
because the culture is just something that's sacred and you want to guard that. And so be diligent about answering that third question of how well are we loving each other? Have you ever had a day where, you know, when you went to work and you didn't, you look back at the day and you're like, I don't know what I did today. You know, (laughs) what was accomplished today? Though you were remarkably busy. You know, there are lots of appointments and things, but I think if you keep those three questions in front of you all the time, asking them every single day, where are we going? How are we going to get there? And how well are we loving one another on our way to there? Uh, it keeps the organization moving, moving forward. Failing to address any of these three questions will lead division and execution drift. Point number four. Number four, ruthlessly leader, ruthlessly monitor your wellness, your rhythms, your habits. Yeah. Oh. Own your morning, own your day. I mean, we can't stress this enough. You can see different uh, episodes before, uh, but what you do in the morning is going to affect the rest of your day. And when you get to a habit of owning your morning and having a time that you're being um, fed physically and spiritually and emotionally with different rhythms and you miss that, you Mm. just feel, how do you feel, Tim? You just feel off, right? Junkie. Oh, you're just like, I, I missed that. I needed that. Um, so a lot of times we talk about this, um, drink a lot of water when you wake up. It'll really uh, make a difference because you're dehydrated as you were sleeping. Um, also, get enough sleep. Um, mm-hmm. I just walked through a, a season of valley fever, and part of that was they said, you need more sleep and you need less stress. And so that's that's somewhat tough, but the research is true. If you can get seven to eight hours, especially as you get older, you're going to need it. Think back to our episode last week. If you didn't listen to Kathy Bishop, you've missed out. You got to go back right now. Listen to Kathy on the art of listening deeply. But Kathy, at the very end, she talks about her rhythm in the morning. Brush and squat, brush, brush and squat. squat. Remember brush that? Squat. So, but she just, it oozed out of her. It came out of her. She, it was so habitual. So monitor those, those morning and evening rhythms. Uh, three things, spend time in God's word every single day. Move your body every single day and eat as best as you can, non-processed, low sugar, low carb uh, opportunities. Eat what God naturally gave out of the ground. We're going to continue to come back to that as a leader. You have to monitor your daily rhythms. I think a big thing, too, with that is knowing yourself and knowing um, at what point of your day are you most effective in certain areas? Yeah. I was meeting with, um, um, let's just call this guy named Matt recently. And, um, he's in between work and stuff and he was kind of struggling. It was like, he wanted to work out, but he's not feeling it and different things. And so it's like, let's, let's shift where that goes. It was kind of in the morning, but he didn't even want to do it. Hmm. Let's put it in the afternoon because that's the time where he was just kind of at a lull. Yeah. And so in the morning, let's get your future focused work done, mm-hmm. um, applying for things, looking into the future, getting the details of life. Cause you've got a lot of energy between that nine to 11 o'clock hour. That's why we're filming the, or recording this at nine. We want to yeah. give you your best right here. It's nine in the morning where we are. And then the afternoon you hit a lull so are you going to take a nap are you going to do push-ups are you going to work out and so he's shifting to then work out in the afternoon that gives that endorphin release in his Uh brain and it pushes him through into the afternoon so that uh, into the evening so he can give his best to his family yeah exactly um the book is called when w-h-e-n W-H-E-N. It's by Daniel Pink. You got to pick it up because there's a lot of research about the art of a strategic execution throughout your, your day. Point number five. Never stop 
voraciously learning. Hmm. Tim, what's that mean? <laughs> uh, are you a lifelong learner? So back to the Harrison, there are two different traits and characteristics that are catalyst char- characteristics for continuing to be a, a passionate, they? vibrant leader. Me, well, one me. was stress management. Stress management. Stress management. Is. Two is a yearning to learn. Becoming a lifelong learner. That is a theme, a life theme for me. Every single day is a day to wake up and say, God, what are you going to reveal? We have three different points around being a voracious learner. Point number one is learning creates humility. Here's what you say. The world is so stinking big, and I have so much more to learn. Uh, learning pushes you to need a team. And there's, as I learn new things, there's no possible way that I can be strong in every area of my life. And so, Jake, I need you to, to round me out, and I can do the same for you. And then moving into our next podcast next week, learning appropriately positions inevitable conflict. Inevitable conflict. And here's what you say. I have so much to learn. I do not have everything figured out. So let's work in it together, recognizing we're going to need grace. Uh, I'm a work in progress. So are, so are you. And uh, Jesus, you got to enter in. And Jesus creates this environment, this passion within us to never, never stop learning. That's why you're listening to this podcast. You got more room for growth. There's more potential within you. So what a joy to walk through all of these kind of change elements, uh, these uh, tips for creating a culture that is open to change. Share this podcast with others and uh, create a movement where we're going to challenge one another to be change agents uh, for the sake of expanding the kingdom of God. So God bless you as you uh, help change something in your uh, own rhythms daily or change something on your team and then therefore change the culture and the organization that you serve. God bless you. And next time we're going to talk about the five tips for doing conflict well. We'll see you. Peace. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.